0: Hi, and welcome to the Potter's House podcast. We thank you for joining us for our weekly message. And if you'd like to learn more about the Potter's House, you can visit us at org or click the link in the description. We pray that this week's message blesses and encourages you. And um, I just want to tell you something about me. When the, pres- when, when the Holy Spirit says to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, and so I know when I got up here and said, we're going to worship for a few minutes, and I said three or four, and we went 15, uh, I know what that means for my preaching time. Can I tell you, I just don't care, <laughs> all right? I just don't care. Uh, I'm here for Jesus, not here for you, not here for me. I'm here for Jesus, and what he says is what we're going to do. I've got, got three things I need to share with you before I get into the Word, three things the Lord's laid on my heart this week. Um, I believe they're prophetic ad- ad- admonishments. Uh, prophetic exhortations that I need to lay before you for the future of not only the Potter's House, but America of the earth. I believe God is. um, uh, let me say like this, God has been dealing with me this week that there is a, um, I know uh, the virus is real. I know it it has taken the lives of of friends of mine, Uh, many people in this room, family. Uh, and some of you have had it and people that have had it and say, I've never experienced anything like that. Uh, but I want to tell you something, you know, as we're coming through this and, and things, we're kind of finding a new pace uh, in, in the earth. I want to tell you that there is, there is a pandemic of fear that has arrested the world. And this, this week, God just admonished me that, that he is going to shake the nations again uh, the nations are going to go into travail again. And he told me to come up here before I preach and to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is not the inheritance of the children of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And this is an era. Listen to me. Because if it's not an era to fear, it's not an error to be complacent. Fear pushes you back. Complacency keeps you where you are. This is an era of bravery. God is going to put an anointing of courage on people to do things they've never done, to say things they've never said, to go places they've never gone. An anointing of courage for people who will stand up and say, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Secondly, God told me to tell you that this is the year, this is the hour to get as close to him as you've ever been. As close to him, as if he's breathing on your neck, this is the hour to be as close to him as you have ever been. It's going to be imperative over the next 12 months, 24 months, over the next decade that you don't move until the Holy Ghost says move. And you won't know that unless he is close to you, unless you're close to him. It's the hour. Number three, and this is one that we talked about a couple weeks ago, but I felt just an encouragement to admonish you again. Let go of your offenses. This is not a day to be trapped by offenses. This is a day to let them go in Jesus' name. And with those three things, you can take them to prayer. I just felt the admonition of the Holy Spirit to come and tell you and exhort you. Don't be afraid. Get up next to him and let go of your offenses. There's such freedom in, th- in those three things. There's such freedom. Doesn't mean you won't have a moment of panic. Doesn't mean you won't have a moment of fear. That moment comes upon you as a surprise. The choice is I will not continue in fear. In Jesus' name. Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. I want to invite you, last, last thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to preach. I want to invite you this Wednesday night. I hope I see this whole room just like this. This Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Now, On Sunday mornings, we've been dealing with kind of uh, holistic perspectives of prayer. Uh, This Wednesday night, we're going to begin to dive in detail how to pray, why we pray those ways. And then we're going to actually practice praying in the way that we're going to talk about Wednesday. So join us Wednesday night at 7 right here in the sanctuary. We're going to teach, we're going to pray, and then we're going to see what God wants to do. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava. That we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, our little ones, and all of our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we have spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayers. God does not answer prayers. God answers people who pray. Prayers are not just this ambiguous thing that just float around in the atmosphere. When I pray according to his will, he hears me. And he answers me. Not always in the way I want, but he answers me. And so I want to talk to you this morning about seeking God, about seeking God. And and there's a few things in this story from Ezra that we find. First, he said, uh, we're going to proclaim a fast at the river of Ahava. Now, this word Ahava means to remain or to subsist. One of the first understandings of prayer and relationship is this idea of remaining or abiding. John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and you are the branches. Verse 4, he said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, we could use this lesson in the church. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done to you. So he starts chapter 15 by saying, I am the true vine. This word true means the real or the opposite of counterfeit. I want you to understand that Jesus is the person of truth. John 1:14 said, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of what? Grace and truth. He is the person of truth. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the what? That was lame. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. So not only are we to abide in Jesus, but we are to abide. He said, if I abide in you and my words. So not only are we to abide in the person of Jesus, but we are to abide in the words of Jesus. John 17 and 17, Jesus is is preaching one of the greatest sermons that have ever been, or he he has finished preaching, rather, one of the greatest sermons that's ever been preached, John 13 through 16. And he comes to 17 and he does the pastoral thing and he closes out his sermon, his three-chapter sermon, mind you, with a whole chapter prayer. And in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them in your truth, For your word is truth. Your word is truth. Can I tell you that there is an agenda today on the earth and it's coming from various circles, coming from various personalities, coming from various pipes that wants to change truth. Now, I know that in this room this morning, I might be preaching to the choir, to the majority of the people that are in here. That you love truth, and and part of it is is that some of you have been here for 30 years, and this this entire platform is littered with the preachings of my father that have been truth and about truth. But I, I feel this admonishment in my spirit today because the Bible said in the last times, many shall be deceived. If it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. So there is an agenda. It's coming from the government. It's coming from the media. It's coming from Hollywood. It's coming from, from institutions, societal institutions, to change truth. And let me, help, let me let you in on a little bit of revelation. And you're already seeing it today. If they can't change truth, they will shame truth. If you stand up and say marriage is between one man and one woman, well, you don't love people? You don't think people should have the right to love? According to the truth of God's word, no. You don't believe man? You don't believe man and woman can can intersect and man can become woman and woman can become man? They're going to shame you. Come on. I believe it's called canceling. If they can't change it, they'll cancel it. And they'll shut the mouth of anyone. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I didn't think I'd be here. They're going to shut the mouth of anybody that's got a dissenting opinion. Come on now. Paul talked about these times. He said in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, he said the Spirit speaks expressly. That if the Spirit is speaking expressly, we ought to be listening closely. That in latter times, many will depart. He called it the faith. Some translations call it the truth. Many will depart from the truth having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, Paul writes that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and it is profitable for rebuke, for reproof, for correction, in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly perfect and equipped for every good work, and he, he, he carries over into chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, and he says, but you, son, preach the Word. He said, be instant. I charge you, son, to preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering. Why? For the time is coming when men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, being turned unto fables, and turned away from the truth. And he said, but you do the work of an evangelist. Truth, if they can't change it, they'll shame it. And you know the other thing about truth? Let me help you. The other thing about truth is truth is like a lion. A lion is not waiting for you to agree with whether it is the king or not. Truth does not need your agreement to be truth. Truth needs your alignment. And so we, we, well, relative truth. I'm going to live my truth. I'm sorry, baby. If you have a truth that is part from this word, you are deceived. There is one absolute truth. It is the word of God. And his word is waiting on us to align with truth. You know, one of the issues, and I I, I was thinking about this this week, and I started kind of shaming my generation, but it's not just my generation. Y'all look at my generation, and you call them a bunch of hooligans. Look at your own. Y'all don't want me to go here. It's not the one behind me. It's not the one in front of me. It's every generation. There is no fear of God. and there's no fear of hell because leaders and influencers have taught a generation that they can live like hell and still go to heaven so why would anybody be afraid to go to hell when it's just one big party on earth oh got off the quiet my Bible said the hell is a place of eternal fire and damnation, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, Jesus told a parable of a man that was that, that Lazarus came to, and he wouldn't even give him a crumb off the table. The rich man and the rich man found himself in hell, and was looking up and was saying, "Can I just have just one drop of water? I don't need a bottle. I don't need a glass. Just give me a drop." Eternal torment. And we preach God is love, God is love. God. You want to know much? What's, what's more dangerous than a lie is a half-truth. More dangerous than a lie is a half-truth. Because everybody believes God is love, God is love, God is love. God, I can live how I want to because God is love. God's grace is going to protect me. I can live how I want to because God is love. And we fail to mention that God's throne is established on righteousness and justice. Why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would you choose to go to hell? You're making a choice. You say, Pastor, how'd you get here? I don't know. I'm burdened, though, for believers, sons and daughters, in a generation where we will read something, we'll read a headline and make a whole assumption out of it. We'll read one headline and then assume the rest of the story. We do no research. We do absolutely no study. And we have a half truth. Our whole life is built on half truth. And Jesus said, if I abide in you and my words abide in you, then you will have what you ask when you pray. But the prerequisite is the truth has to be in you. Truth. We're connected to the true vine. The word abiding here means to remain or stay. Can I help you understand something? Remaining in Jesus is a key to bearing fruit in prayer. Praying outside of his will will bear you no fruit. Will bear you no fruit. Praying outside of his will and having no discipline Will ruin your life. Come on now. It's gonna get better in a minute, I promise. Because the problem is, is that a lot of people will pray, God, will you just, can I just, Lord, can I just touch my phone and open up my bank account and a million dollars be in there? And if God gave you a million dollars, it'd kill you because you haven't learned the principle of stewardship. You don't tithe, and you expect God to bless your money? You don't give, and you expect God to bless your money? Sometimes we don't need a miracle. We need discipline. And when I pray according to his will, and I re- Jesus was the most disciplined man to walk the planet. The Bible said often he would get up early in the morning and go to a place by himself. Let me tell you something. This morning, when I woke up, it was a struggle, with a capital S, to get out of bed. I snoozed my alarm for like thirty minutes. I'm I did. I'm telling you. Jesus got up regularly, crucified the flesh, got up and went and prayed. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes the miracle is in our discipline. You'll be amazed what would happen if you would steward your money. Several years ago, my wife and I decided, you know what, we're going to steward our money. I'll spare you all the details. We're going to steward our money better. We're going to pay a closer attention to our money because it's on loan to us from God. I'm going to stand in front of God for how I dealt with what he gave me. And at the end of every month, from the time we decided that, even up until now, at the end of every month, we've looked back and said, there is more here than what there should be. There's more here than what there should be. Why? Because we tithe. We give beyond the tithe. And we steward our money. It's not just the steward of money, it's the steward of prophetic words. It's the stewardship of relationships. It's the stewardship of material possessions. My dad always told me, and my mom both, when I was a teenager, if you ever got in my car, it was about three feet deep of fast food bags, (laughs) large. uh, I see some of you wives pointing at your husbands, leave them alone. You know, large cups of pop that I would just pick up on the way to school or the way to work or whatever. And my dad, after about six months of not seeing my car, would get in my car and he would say, if you ever want something better than this, you've got to treat this like you're going to treat that. That principle didn't catch on for another 10 years, (laughs) but it's caught on now. It's called Stewardship. And when you abide in the Bible, sometimes you don't need a miracle. You need discipline. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And when you are praying according to his will and you are abiding in Jesus and he's abiding in you, you know what he'll do? He'll convict you. He'll convict you and he'll say, you've got to deal with that. Come on. Y'all with me? It's going to get better. Okay, it's going to get better. It's all right. It's all right. 1 Corinthians 7 24, brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. You know the thing about abiding? I don't have to turn the switch on or off. I live abiding with him. I live in, in communion with him. I don't abide with him just when I pray. I abide with him when I work. I abide with him when I go eat. I abide with him when I lay down to sleep. I abide with him. I remain with him. So Ezra said, we're going to abide. Then he said, I called a fast there. What about fasting? We don't like to talk about this a lot. Can I tell you something? Fasting, we don't fast to move the hand of God. We fast to crucify our flesh and to align ourselves with him. God does not need to align with me. Come on now. In no circumstance ever does God need to align with me. I need to align with him. Fasting aligns me with him. Joel 2.12, turn to me with all your heart with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Basil, the bishop of Caesarea, said this, fasting begets prophets, strengthens strong men. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. It is the soul's safeguard, uh, the body's trusted comrade, the armor of the champion, the training of the athlete. In the New Testament, we find that Anna was in the temple, Luke chapter 2, was in the temple day and night praying and what? Fasting. You know, we call these, these fasts 40 days, 21 days. In this case, we're on a 100 day consecration. Can I tell you something about the apostles, the, the original apostles? If you read in, in the extra, in, the, in the, 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 the scribal writing or the apostles' writing, they, had, they fasted. It wasn't like, hey guys, we need to go on a 10 day fast. No, they fasted Monday, They our Monday, their, our Wednesday, and our Friday. It was a lifestyle of fasting. Anna said, I'm going to stay in the temple, and I'm going to pray and fast night and day, and then all, all of a sudden... Who was she fasting for? What was she fasting for? She was fasting to see the Messiah come. And in Luke 2, when Mary and Joseph walk into the temple, she gets up out of her time of prayer and fasting. And in verse 38, the Bible said she spoke of the Messiah to everybody who was looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Everybody. You know what night and day prayer does? Night and day prayer fasting gives you a heart transplant. You lose your heart and you pick up his. His heart was that everybody in Jerusalem would know the Messiah has come. What about Jesus? Can I tell you something? If it's in the life of Jesus, I want it in my life. Luke chapter 4, the Bible said he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and there he fasted for 40 days. And you know the story. He was tempted by the devil, and he fought the devil with the word. And in the, in, in the closing part of that story, the closing part of that, uh, that factual happening, the Bible said that Jesus came up out of the wilderness in the Spirit and in power. In the Spirit and power. It was in his life. Then Ezra said, we humbled ourselves. Before our God. So there has to be humility in prayer. I cannot come before God and act like I've got it all figured out. Come on. I can't come before God and act like I've got all the answers when the reality is I don't. In fact, I have so few answers, I might as well never even try to figure a problem out. But we go before God and say, God, I'm not... Here I am. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and I'm going to ask you to bless it. What are we we thinking here? God, I'm going to go down here, and we're going to do this, and we're going to start this, and I'm going to do it. Will you just please bless it? God can't bless something that didn't come from his heart. So instead of, God, we're going to do this, God, what do you want us to do? God, how do you want us to move? God, how do you want us to respond? The grace of God will never leave, lead you where it cannot keep you. So if you feel like God's not keeping you, you might be outside of his grace. Oh, man. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from robbery and conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. James 4, 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Matthew 5 and 3, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor here defined means to be low. Blessed are the low in spirit. Can I tell you that acknowledging him and his his awesomeness in prayer and our depravity in prayer is a key to prayer. I don't come before God like a big hot shot. Can Can I help you understand something? There's a lot of things that I can do. I, you know, I love playing instruments. I love singing. I love preaching. God, I love songwriting. God put these gifts inside of me. Do you know one thing that I found out about God? God is not impressed by the thing he put in me. God, listen to this song I wrote. I know, I put it there. (laughs) Listen to how good I can sing. I know I gave you the voice. So, to come before God like I'm something is futile because He's not impressed by me. He looks upon me and He says, You're dirt. From dust you came, to dust you will return. But the thing about God is that He's also proud of me, He looks upon me like a father. He smiles on me. Says the, the, Jesus said, the same glory that you've given me, I now give them. And this word glory is not in the sense of weightiness. It's in the sense of sight. He said, the same way you see me, you now see them. Look at all the things the Father said about Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he's not impressed. There's a difference. He's pleased, but he's not impressed. So we've got to come before God low. And not only before God, we've got to come before each other. Lo. My wife said this, and I'm gonna get a pat on the back because I actually gave her credit. Sometimes and I get in preaching, I'm not, I'm just going, she's like, You stole my quote. <laughs> I give her credit. She said this, she said, when I when I came to the cross, I lost my right to be right. I lost my and, and sometimes we come into conversations and conflict. And our goal is to prove our point. Our goal is to prove that the truth we own and the truth we have revelation of is better than the truth the person I'm having a conflict with has. Paul said, count others before yourself. The goal is not to grow in division. The goal is to grow in love. Come on now. And we do that in humility. Not just in Communication here, but in communication here. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Y'all with me? All right, cool. So first there's remaining. We've got to remain in him. We've got to fast. We've got to be humble. Then there is seeking. Verse 21, Ezra said to seek from him. The word seek here means to look for, to diligently be diligent in searching, to investigate or to learn about. Amos chapter 5 and 5 starts like this. Seek, this is God speaking, seek me and live. One of the greatest, listen, one of the greatest legacies that you will ever leave behind to your children is a path well-traveled to the throne. No amount of money Does it help? Sure. But no amount of money will ever match a path traveled to the throne. No amount. Zero. You know, several years ago, I was with some friends and I was a teenager. And we were riding four-wheelers. His grandpa had some land and we were riding four-wheelers. And when I was thinking about that statement and thinking about what this word seek means, uh, this word seek in Amos means to beat a path to, to make a path to. I was thinking about that word and I was thinking about that time we were willing. It's like the Holy Spirit brought it, I vividly remembered it. And I can remember when we started, the grass was, you know, shin high. There wasn't really any rhyme or reason. But when we finished, I could walk you through every trail we took those four-wheelers on what did we do we created a path and your sons your daughters your grandchildren ought to be able to look at your life and see the path traveled to the throne of God and be able to mimic that path I remember distinctly years uh, when I was a when I was a young child, staying at my Mamma and Papa Oldfield's house, and I'd come down early in the morning, and my grandpa would be sitting in his chair praying, reading the Bible. He always had his Bible open on the side table at their house. He would always sit there. We've got pictures of him sitting there, pictures of him with the, the grandkids, pictures of him with, with his Bible open, reading. I remember that so vividly. I remember one night, uh, Damers and I were dating. Um, It was probably 10, 10, 1030 when I got home, and I walked in the house, and as soon as I stepped in the house, I felt the Holy Ghost. I was like 17, 18. I felt the Holy Ghost, and I was like, what is happening in this house? Something is, you know, something is, the presence of God was always there, but there was a unique anointing that I just stepped into, and I walk in, and my dad's sitting at the table, and he's praying, and he's seeking the face of God, and he's worried. It was a Saturday night. I remember it like it was yesterday, and he got up the next morning, and he preached, and the Holy Ghost fell. I remember that. vividly, I can recall details of those moments. And so we as children of God, as, as people of faith, ought to beat a path to the throne. That there should be a path where it is recognizable. They know how to get to Jesus. They know how to seek his face. They know how to get to his feet. You know, it was always the grandmamas of the church that got the phone call. Will you please pray for so-and-so? You know why? Because the church, the people could recognize they know how to get there. There's a path they've traveled. He promised that if we would seek him to know him, listen, not to get stuff from him. We got real quiet. I said not to get stuff from him. But if we would seek him to know him, we would live. John 17 and 3, Jesus said, now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, how do you know Him in prayer? You seek Him to know Him. Can I? Ask, I'm gonna put a mark right there just to remember where I am and ask you this question: What did Paul know about Him that we don't? Paul had gains. Paul had influence. Paul had authority. He had money. He was one of the the chief warriors, one of the the, the person that that persecuted the church. They celebrated him. He had everything he could ever want, and Paul said, I count as dung, just that I might know him. What are you willing to say about that? What, what are you willing to give up to know him? Come on. Now, the good church response is everything. Hallelujah. But wake up tomorrow when the pastor's not preaching and the music is stopped. You slept. you wake up for work and ask yourself that question. What am I willing to give up? Just to know him. Notice Paul did not say just so he'll do things for me. He said, just so I'll know him. Just knowing him is better than anything that I have ever had in my life. What did Paul know that we didn't? What kind of encounter, what kind of experience did Paul have? And to know him, I've got to forsake everything. Jesus said, if a man does not deny himself, pick up his cross, forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. And here Paul is saying, I I am giving up everything that I might know him and not, listen, not just to know him, but to be found in him. What was Paul saying? I'm going to abide in him. And he said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We all shout, jump, hallelujah, yes. The power of his resurrection. Finish this Bible and would share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You want to know something God is attracted to? God's attracted to dead things. Resurrection power looks for dead things. Because, you know, one of the things about the Old Testament, they would find the rams, they would find the lambs, they would find all the stuff, they'd put them on the altar, they'd slit their throat, they'd light them on fire, and, you know, do you know how bad... Burning hair smells. Come on. It's like three of you that shook your head. You know how bad burning, if you like burning hair smell, how bad, and, and they would cut that lamb's throat, put it on the altar, light a, you know, set it on fire as an offering to God. And the people, you know, today we'd probably be like, oh my Lord, I'm leaving. I'm walking away. But God said, This is a sweet smelling savor to my ear. I'm going to come down and be with my people. I'm going to come down. God is attracted to things that are dead. In my life, when I am crucified with Christ, he is attracted to my life. He he is attracted to my life when I am crucified with Christ because he looks at me and he doesn't see flesh. He sees a son. What's the requirement for productive seeking? Number one, you've got to do it with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29 and 12 said, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All. Everybody say all. All of your heart. Sometimes seeking is not just done in the prayer closet when we're praying. Sometimes seeking... Is turning off the television when that thing comes on that doesn't honor God. That's with all of your heart. Sometimes it's putting down the phone when you've been on it for more hours than you can count. Come on now. Sometimes it's turning off the phone because you're seeking Him with all of your heart. Anything that you value more than Him is an idol. And you can tell what you value by what you give your time to. And God said, if you're going to seek me and you're going to find me, it's got to be done with everything you have. Not just when you come into the prayer closet and start with the these and thou's and oh God and Father God. Not when you go, not when there, but with your whole heart. When you leave the prayer closet and you start living your life, you've got to seek me, to know me with all of your heart. Number two, so first off, we do it with our whole heart. Second off, we do it by staying in the word. Hebrews 4 and 12, the word of God is living and active. It's active today, right now. You know who's the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. He is the word of God. He is active in our life. Ezra 7.10, this story we're talking about, the Bible said that Ezra set his heart to seek not the face of God, not the hand of God, but to seek the law of the Lord. He set his heart to know God through His word. When is the last time you've set your heart to just simply know God and to know Him through His word through His word? You know, I ordered a, I got an ebook on my device here this past week, and I was reading it, and I would have loved to be able to ask the author questions. But the author lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and I don't have his cell phone number. And I have no way of contacting him. So I'm just reading this book based on what's given to me. The Bible is the only book where I can sit down with the author. And he can tell me with intention what his heart was when he was writing the book. So I, I stay in the word. Jeremiah 1:12. the Lord said, you've seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word and he healed them. Matthew 8 and 8, if you just speak the word, you know, the psalms are prayers to God. They're not just songs, they're prayers. So if you're having a difficult time figuring out where to start in prayer, you open up your Bible, and you open up your Bible, and I just turn to Psalm 16, you say, Lord, preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. And you just start unfolding that. Lord, keep me. Lord, sanctify me. Lord, Preserve. I put my trust in you. Oh, my soul, you've said to the Lord, you are my Lord and my goodness is nothing apart from you. And you unfold that prayer. It ain't that hard. It's not that difficult. Open up the Bible and pray his word back to him. So you pray the Psalms. I got to hurry. Y'all with me still? All right, I'm hurrying. He said, we're not just going to seek him, but we're going to seek from him the right way. Proverbs 14, 12 said, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The way of the flesh is the way of death. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Galatians 5.17 says, The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So for those, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to the flesh, but the end thereof is death. Proverbs 16.9, though, tells us this. We don't do it our way, we do it his way. Proverbs 16, 9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I'm going to help somebody real good right here. This is the thing I've learned concerning God. God has a wonderful plan for my life, but he does not have a wonderful life for my plan. I'm going to take a drink of water so I can sit on you real quick. I said, God has a wonderful plan for your life. But in no realm does He have a wonderful life for your plan. So I am considered and I am required to understand that the plans I have for my life, God is not required to bless. But the plans that God has for my life, He will bless. If I've got plans... And I just say, God, I'm going to do this, and you're just going to have to bless it. Who, who are you to? Who you think you're talking to? There's no fear of God anymore. But if I'm talking to God and say, yes, I believe this is your plan, and you start walking by faith and not by sight, and you begin to see the favor of God after every step, guess what? You have found yourself smack dab in the will of God. In the will of God. He said, I, I want to read this scripture to you and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start laying in this plane. He said this. He said, I believe it's in verse 21, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek for Him, seek from him the right way for us. Listen to what's next. And our little ones. Our little ones. I've told you this before and I'm going to keep telling you. Legacy is not what you leave behind. It's what you leave in. A love of prayer, a love of the Lord, integrity, character, those are things money can't buy. And they are more valuable than all the money in the entire world. And and I'm going to talk to some parents and grandparents in the room. And if you're not a parent yet, if you're married, you don't have children, you're trying, whatever the reason is, if you want to be a parent, you plan to be a parent, listen to this. Listen to the words I'm about to speak to you. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I've commanded you today shall be in your heart. You cannot pass down to your children what is not first in your heart. You will teach them diligently to your children. Di- teach them diligently. Diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. You will walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up, you will bind them as a sign on your hand, and they will be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I told you about my Papa Oldfield. I told you about my dad praying. I just while I was reading that, I was reminded we were at my, it was my great-grandpa's house in Kentucky. And there was no, and even this year at Christmas, there's never a Christmas or a gathering that goes by in, on, on my mom's side of the family where there is not, I'm not, not like, Lord bless us, food, nourish our body, amen, where like true intentional prayer doesn't happen. I can remember being a child sitting there watching my grandpa Vickers throw his head back and cry out to the Lord. I, and you, you, it was one of those cry out to the Lord, you felt it in your chest. I was, a, I was a kid, I was probably ten or eleven, and I could feel it when he would start lifting up his voice and crying out. I remember those things. I, I remember those moments I'm, I was nine or ten i 'm thirty one now, and I remember those moments twenty some years later. I remember them because my 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 heritage, my inheritance. They bound those things on their heart, they bound those things on their hand, and they taught them to their children. And let me tell you something, you may not have had that heritage, you may not have had that inheritance, you may not have that story, but that story can start with you. That story can be pioneered with you. That your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren can say, I remember Grandpa so-and-so would lift up his voice in the living room and begin to cry out to God. And I remember the anointing that was on their prayers. So I ask you, what's happening in your house? What are you letting your children see in your house? Because Ezra said, we were seeking the Lord not for us. We were seeking the Lord for them. We weren't just seeking the Lord for what we're supposed to do. What's going to be best for our sons and daughters? If if okay, if you bring your children to church, but you don't show them Christ at home through prayer, through life, they will grow up to hate God and church because you were a hypocrite. You were one way at church and a whole other way at home. Uh, and for those of you that feel like you failed, God is a God of grace, and he wastes nothing. It is never too late to become who you were always meant to be. You know, my kids are grown, so show them now. And so, so, you got people that come to church and they lift their hands in worship and they shout and they jump, but they talk down to their wife call their wife's names in front of their kids and behind the closed door. Oh, y'all don't want to talk like this, do you? I know I'm past my time. Get over it. God is not going to just allow out of order houses to just continue. Men, you were called to be the priest of your home. Not the one who sits on the lazy boy and demands things from everybody else. Be the priest of your home. Cover your children in prayer. Cover your wife in prayer. Cover your house in prayer. And I hope today that if church you is different than home you, that the Holy Spirit convicts you on the way out of the sanctuary. I pray, I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer. I pray you don't sleep tonight. You can blame me if you don't blame me if you don't blame the Holy Ghost. And you better listen to him. I pray you don't sleep. I pray you wake up miserable tomorrow until God gets so a hold of your heart that he starts shifting you. Teach your children. These people, this massive people that Ezra's leading is full of adults and children. Children are everywhere and they are hearing their parents cry out to God. What are we to do? God, you are holy. Where where are you leading us? I was reading in the Bible the other day, in Matthew 21, where the Bible said that Jesus came into the temple and flipped over the tables and yelled at all of them And the Bible. After he did that, the Bible said that he did many miracles there. The blind and the lame came to him, and they were healed. And then listen, and the children said, Hosanna to the son of David. Where did they hear that at? Oh, go back about six verses. When Jesus is riding through the city on the donkey. And all the adults are out there with their palm branches, and they're crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. So how did the children know to say that? Because they were in the street with their parents just a few verses before, hearing their parents lift up praise to God. Teach your children how to pray. Teach your children how to worship. I'll never forget. I was in a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, 2018, and one of the speakers said, Pastor... Your church does not need to hear you preach. Your church needs to hear you pray. And that one statement wrecked my life. There's a reason that I get up here and sometimes I shout and holler and pray. There's a reason that I get up here and I I pray, I'm into it, I'm passionate about it. Because we have heard so much word over the last decades that we are fat and out of shape in the spirit. The disciples didn't tell Jesus. Somebody come help me close because if y'all don't, I'm going to keep talking. The disciples didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to preach. Hmm? They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to prophesy. So, Lord, teach us how to pray. Last year, January is before the first service of the year, I came over here I was setting some stuff up I was getting some things ready for that service and just making sure the room was okay and and, and the building was right and I brought Jocelyn with me and I came into this sanctuary I I wasn't it's kind of it's my custom on Saturday nights now to come and pray and I wasn't preaching that next Sunday so I just came into the sanctuary and I I was praying and I told Jocelyn I said hey we're going to go pray for a minute we're going to go pray and then we'll go home and uh I'm just walking the aisles and praying. She's lollygagging behind by about 10 feet, which is normal, in her own little world. And I remember I stopped because I felt the conviction of God that here your daughter is in the room with you, and you're just praying and leaving her behind. So I grabbed her little hand and I said, I just, maybe just one walk around the sanctuary. I, you don't have to pray with me the rest of this time just one walk and I was walking and I told her I said I, I'm praying that God's presence and Jesus and his glory would come and would just rest in this house just be here just stay here so I started praying and you know she's heard me and Damaris pray in tongues the first couple of times she just looked at us really weird praying and I kind of got quiet because I heard her saying something so I got quiet and I could hear her saying Jesus stay here Jesus rest here let your presence be I mean she's just repeating all of these things after me I mean I broke down started crying I looked at her she said daddy what's wrong I said I'm so proud of you I said I'm so proud of you we kept walking and you know after about 30 seconds, she went right back to 10 feet behind me and playing. And, but yesterday, I remember, I was reminded of this. Yesterday, Damerson and I were sitting and uh, I had breakfast with a couple people that morning and I had gone to breakfast. I came back. Kids are all happy, excited to you know, see Daddy when he gets home. I hug him. We sit there. We're talking. And all of a sudden, I hear Jocelyn say, say, Gwen, Gwen, come on. Come on. We're, we got to go downstairs. We got to have church. And I said, Said, oh, this is going to be really interesting. On our way down the steps, I hear her say, Gwen, you're preaching this morning. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead worship. I said, Oh, this is going to be really good. And I'm sitting there with Damaris, and I, you know, holding Tobin, playing with Tobin. I'm sitting there talking to Damaris. And I said, Listen, There's one Lord, there's one Lord. I mean, just singing, there's one Lord, nobody like Jesus. I mean, just, and then she's making stuff up that doesn't make any sense. And then she comes back to, there's just, there's one Jesus. There's one Lord, nobody like Jesus. I mean, just worshiping. And I'm sitting here thinking, there's nothing in the world worth more than that. Nothing. She doesn't understand right now. She doesn't understand what she's saying. Maybe she does. Maybe she does understand. Kids are smart. But she doesn't understand the impact that she's making in her own life right there, declaring in our, not in the altar, not on the stage, in our basement with a toy microphone. There's one God. His name is Jesus. my prayer for my kids that we pray over them all the time I pray they will never know anything but the presence of the Lord and because they know authentic they will never ever ever compromise for the fake when I seek him to know him I seek Him to know Him. It affects my generations. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to do something. I just felt the check of the Holy Ghost because I'm over here talking about my parents parented. And the Lord is leading us to parent. And I just felt the Lord's heart, I mean, just in a split second in one moment, I felt the Lord's heart turn toward prodigals this morning. This is, this is how seeking God does. I know his heart. I know his voice. I felt his heart turn toward prodigals. I felt his heart torn, turn toward parents of prodigals whose children are running away from him this morning. Who feel like I failed, I messed up. There is now no condemnation. To him who was in Christ Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. If you are a parent of a prodigal, I want you to stand. Just stand. You've got a prodigal son or daughter that's running. Stand. Come on. We're gonna pray. This is not to embarrass you. This is we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. You've got prodigals. You've got prodigals. The first thing I'm gonna do is pray over you. And then we're going to pray for your kids. I'm going to pray over you and then I'm going to ask um, that the rest of the church will join you in prayer. But right now, I'm just going to pray over you. I feel that in my spirit. Father, lift your hands. If that's you, you're settled. Father, I command shame and guilt to be arrested in this atmosphere right now. Their children made choices. Their children make choices. And Father, I pray today, right now, in Jesus' name, that the truth that they have heard, the truth that they have walked out in their life, I pray now in Jesus' name, that that son, that daughter that is running, I pray you bring truth to the forefront of their mind now. And God, I cast down shame and guilt in the hearts and in the minds of these parents. And God, I thank you today. Some of them, it happened when they weren't following you. So God, I pray the decision that they've made to follow you now will begin to reap benefits now. we Will begin to reap seed, reap fruit now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What I want to do, church, if you're not standing and you see somebody standing around you, I want you to stand and I want you to join with them in prayer. Join with them in prayer. Grab hands with them. Lay your hand on their shoulders. Come on, we're going to pray for prodigals right here. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters right here. God, I, I pray for every prodigal represented in this room. For every son, for every daughter who knows the way. They know the way of truth. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you put a hook in the jaw of every prodigal and you bring them back into the kingdom. You bring them back right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, your blood, Jesus, your blood is strong enough to rescue and to redeem. God, for kids that I grew up with, for kids that I was in class with, they know the word of God. They know the truth of your word. A child that is raised in the truth, they will not depart from it. Father, I praise now in Jesus name that you would bring it back to God I pray that you would make those children miserable make those sons and daughters miserable God let it be so miserable they can't go another day until they come back into the kingdom until they come back into you till they come back into your grace God let there be now a grace released for an intercession of the prodigals no judgment no judgmental attitude but Lord we thank you that they are coming back we thank you they're coming back we thank you that they're coming back for every prodigal that is lost in, in identity confusion for every prodigal that is lost in identity confusion we speak the identity of Jesus over them they're a son, they're a daughter they have to do nothing to gain anyone's approval, they have to do nothing to gain anyone's affection they are who you created them to be and I pray the truth of your words would arrest their hearts today. In the name of Jesus, God, I speak over every parent who is weary in prayer. Every parent who is weary in, in trying and weary in attempting and weary in fasting. Lord, I pray that they would keep going. And if they would keep going, they will reap and they will faint not. They will reap and they will faint not. They will reap and they will faint not. Father, I pray that they would not grow weary in well-doing. But God, they would continue. I pray a fresh grace. To cry out for their sons and daughters, a fresh anointing to cry out and intercede for their sons and daughters, their grandchildren. It is so, it is to so. state. may not have started with you, but it can end with you, in the name of Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples on being persistent in prayer, he said, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. judge with the woman who came and was demanding justice he said I'm only going to rule in her favor because she won't stop and today right here in the presence of God we have lifted up our prayers to him and it is time church listen to me it is time for us to get serious about seeking the Lord that we sought him for for us, for our children, for our possessions. For every aspect of my life, we sought the Lord. Stand with me one more time. We're going to pray and go home. Father, I thank you for your grace this morning. I thank you for your presence that's here among us. Hey, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I just felt the check of the Spirit If you're in this room and you don't know Him, and you want your sin forgiven, every head bows, every eyes closed. Nobody's looking at you, but that's you. You say, "I want to be saved." I want you to slip one hand up. That's me. Is Is there anybody like that in this room? There's one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you for joining us for this week's message. And thanks to those of you who give so generously to make things like this possible. You can click the link in the description or go to pottershouse.org for more details and to see the exciting things happening here at the church and how you can get involved. We encourage you to share this week's message with your friends and family. We look forward to seeing you next week.